Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So to catch you up, what happened in the previous chapter is that King Hezekiah, he's being intimidated by the king of Assyria. And so the king of Assyria sent what was known as the Rabshakeh, the Rabshakeh. I'm Texan, I don't care. Come on. This is Hebrew stuff. The, the Rabshakeh, what that means is the chief of princes. It was like a field commander of some sort. He was a high-ranking guy that spoke for the king. And he was sent to threaten King Hezekiah that Assyria was ready to take all the people of Judah away from their land, from the covenant land that God promised to give them that was going to belong to them. And King Hezekiah's officials reported this news back to him. And now a little bit of fear has been setting in. So that's where we're at. So we're coming to get you. We're going to take you away. We have won against every nation we have ever taken down. You're going to fall. You're not good enough. Have you ever thought those thoughts before? I'm not good enough. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall. You've been there. And that's what the enemy is doing to this guy here, to King Hezekiah. So they go back and they tell Hezekiah what happens. So now in 2 Kings 19 verse 1, And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, I got to hit it one time, I got to process it. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. When they tore their clothes, it meant distress. They're just, they just, ugh, they're just so distressed. They just rip their clothes because they're, they're hurt. They're under uh, 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 oppression. So that's why they tore their clothes. And the last time, if you remember, the last time Hezekiah got in this much trouble with Assyria, he did not ask the Lord for help. You remember that? What did he do? He ran to his money. Oh, if I just have enough money, it'll get me out of this. That's what we always do here in in America where we have everything. If I just have enough money, I can get out of it. So he tried to buy the Assyrians off. We're coming to attack you. Wait a minute. Name your price. Here's a blank check. Sign it. Whatever you want. Just don't attack us. I'll pay you whatever you want. He trusted in money more. But this time he consulted with the Lord because it says he went into the house of the Lord to pray instead of running to his money like he did last time. God, help us learn how to do this instead of, oh God, do I have enough money to fix my mess? We need to run to the Lord every time. I have learned this. Hey, trust me, it wasn't money that got us in this building. It wasn't money that got me through life as far as I've gotten so far as the Lord God. Money doesn't do anything. So this time he got low before the Lord in broken humility. God loves it when we get down like that. 
And so he sent his men to Isaiah the prophet so they could ask the Lord, what do we do? What do we do? And the name of this message is going to, I'm calling it 2 Kings 19, I have heard. I have heard. Because God listens when we're right. 2 Kings 19, 3. And they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Save those of us who are still here. What a prayer. So the men told Isaiah they didn't have enough strength to fight this Assyrian uh, uh, invasion. The, The Assyrians are too big. They're too powerful. Uh, guys, I want to put you in the situation that you've got this problem. The enemy has told you you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You're going to fall. That problem is so big that when it gets here, it's going to run right over the top of you. Now, we've all been there. So this is where they're thinking. We don't even have enough uh, strength to do it. They compared their weakness to a woman that goes into labor, but just doesn't have the strength to get through it. They just couldn't see a way out. And so Hezekiah's hope was that the Lord would act not only for the protection of the people that were left behind, but also that he hoped the Lord would fight because of the insults that the Rabshakeh had hurled upon God. God, did you hear what he said about you? Save us and act on the insults that he made on you. So 2 Kings 19 and 5. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid. you got to underline that, highlight those words. I hear it's in the Bible 365 times. That's enough to, le- to read it once a day for a year. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now this is absolutely amazing to me when I think about it, okay? The strongest military on the planet was just about to strike them down, and God said, don't worry about them, they're going to die in their own land. Now, how in the world is this going to come about? No country has ever taken these guys down. They have beaten up everybody they ever came and attacked, and they're going to die in their own land? What? You ever get an answer from God, and you just kind of go, what? So they're going to die in their own land? Excuse me, but that is the last thing I would ever expect. Big invasion. We're going to get you raw. Oh, don't worry about them. They're going to go home and die. What? I mean, you would theoretically say, if God told me this is going to happen, well, then I believe you. But still, our logic gets in there and goes, wait a minute, how? So can you imagine how Hezekiah's men might have reacted when they heard this news? This wicked guy that just mocked and insulted the living God is about to die a violent death. Kind of reminds you of Goliath, doesn't it? He mocked the living God, and he went down, and he was actually beheaded with his own sword. This isn't nothing new. God's done this stuff before. So, 2 Kings 19 and 8. 
Then the Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he heard that he had departed from Lachish. Remember, the Lord said he's going to hear a rumor. That's going to mess him all up. So he heard something. Oh, okay. Now things are in motion here. So the Assyrians, they had a camp nearby. They're come to attack Jerusalem. They're camped nearby. Apparently, they were going to wait there to hear about Hezekiah's surrender, which never came. Okay, because he's got the Lord fighting for him now. But what did come to their camp was news of a battle that I believe the Lord orchestrated. I think the Lord started up a little war over here so that the news would come back to get the Rabshakeh to leave Jerusalem so that they could help the Assyrians out at Libna. I think the Lord orchestrated this whole thing. It's like chess pieces on a board. Okay, time to move this one now to get this one over here to react. The Lord does these things. So put yourself in the scene here. I want to try to get you in the story. Imagine that you're hanging out with King Hezekiah. You got this military force that says, we're going to come get you. The Lord says, don't be afraid. They're going to die in their own land. What, what is my part in this, Lord? I don't even know what to do. How do I help you, Lord, since you seem to need my help in this? <laughs> you ever do this? God needs my help in the matter some kind of way. He doesn't need your help. Okay. But you're up on the wall with Hezekiah on the wall of Jerusalem. You're looking out at these guys. You're wearing your torn clothes and your sackcloth. And you know that the enemy is somehow about to be killed by his own sword. And while you're scratching your head trying to figure out how in the world is this ever going to happen, suddenly from the wall of Jerusalem, you see all the Assyrians start packing up their stuff and running away. Wait a minute. I guess the Lord said this was going to happen. And here it goes. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't that just amaze you? Isn't it weird how God says he's going to do something and we go, huh? And then when it happens, we're amazed. I think of those guys that were praying for Paul to get out of jail or was it Peter or something? And he come and knocked on the door and they opened it and they didn't think it was even him. I said, no, you're in jail. The Lord answered that prayer. And said, Who are you? It actually happened. And they took off. I mean, wouldn't you think like, Wow. The Lord must be working here. Recap real quick. You're in a situation. You feel like you're about to go down. It's, the problem is bigger than you. It's saying, I'm going to get you. And when I get you, I'm taking you out. You have no more power left to fight any of it. You don't know what to do. So you go before the Lord and he goes, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And then all of a sudden you see that problem fall and you're left going, What? Friends, this is the equation for us to live by right here. This is a story that's playing itself out, teaching us how we need to live our life. They thought, wow, the Lord's got to be working. Because look, all the Assyrians are taking off. Where are they going? I don't know. Who cares? They're leaving. The Lord said they would. So they're running away. Now, after all that macho talk that the Rabshakeh spoke out, he ended up, the Rabshakeh, he ended up falling right into the Lord God's plan because he mocked the living God of Israel. That is something you just don't do. You don't mock him. Matter of fact, there's scripture that says God will not be mocked. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so they, he mocked the living God. He told the people of Judah that their God couldn't save them. You remember that in the previous chapter. Your God can't save you. None of the gods of all the other nations that we kicked over, they didn't save them either. And you know, you get the enemy telling you that. Yeah, pray about it. It's just, 
it's just prayer. It's just ritualistic stuff. Your God can't really save you. This problem's going to eat you alive. And so he told the people they were helpless as any other false god. He threatened that by the time the Assyrians got done with the people of Judah, by the time they got done with them, they would have to consume their own waste to, to survive. He goes, this is, this is what you're looking at. You're going down. But the Lord acted to draw the Rabshakeh away from Jerusalem, just like he said he would. And friends, we need to know what God tells us about as being his people. We need to know what God says about us because you need to know how to trust in your God. All the people running around there freaking out about their money. And you turn on the news, everybody's freaking out about their money. We don't have the things we used to have anymore. Oh gosh, what are we going to do? And they're all over the news going nuts because they trust in their money. They don't trust in the Lord God. They need to learn to do what Hezekiah did here. God, I don't know what to do. You take care of it. Okay, I'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. It's that easy. It's that simple. Okay? So I know you're weighing in your little difficulties that you've got going on right now. And so am I. This has been a week for me, I'm telling you. This story brought me right into it. It's like you just turn it over to the Lord, let him deal with it. Because quite frankly, you can't do nothing about it anyway. You never have, you never will. Let him do it. So he has fallen right in as the Lord God said would happen. 2 Kings 19, 9. And the king heard concerning Terhaka, king of Ethiopia, look, he has come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? Gozan. See, he's giving them a track record. Here's why you should be scared. Look, we took down Gozan and Haran and Resef and, and the people of, of Eden who are in Telesar. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Servephrium, whatever, Hena and, and Iva? Now, it seems to me here, okay, he's like, look at all these reasons you have to be afraid. Look at all these nations that went down, all these kings. Where are they? Where are they at? My, my dad's got them. We took them out. So it seems to me like the king of Assyria here, he found out something. He found out that Hezekiah had been told by Isaiah that the Lord God of Israel would deliver them from the Assyrians. And he's like, oh, really? He thinks that the, their God's going to save them. Okay, so he sent another message to scare him more. You ever notice how bullies love to increase their threats? The bullies love to make you more and more scared because they feel that's going to make them more likely to take you down. So he sent more threats to try to stir up their fear. Now, at this point, it kind of almost looks like a move of desperation on the king of Assyria's part. Like he's... He's trying to resort to these scare tactics. And again, now that you're in this story here and you see the scare tactics being played here, again, I want you to consider how you weigh out when you watch the news. The scare tactics that they play on us, 
Do you see the same thing? It's a demonic spirit coming through that TV. Oh, well, I watch Fox News. They're great. Oh, well, I watch CNN. They're great. I'm, you kidding me? They're all doing it. They're trying to scare us. Don't let them scare you like that. So they're, they're talking big. Demons always love to talk big. And they always love to brag about how many people they've beaten up in the past to get you scared. I have beaten up so many people, you'll never get, get past me. By the time I get to you, you're in big trouble. Oh, man. So that's why he said, have the gods of all these other nations saved their people. Where are their kings now, huh? Where are they at? You tell me where they're at. They're gone, and you know they're gone. Why are they gone? Because Assyria took them out, and we're going to take you out next. They're increasing the volume. They're turning it up to scare them. And they also even said, don't let your God trick you into thinking he can save you. Uh, I know that you have probably heard that in some form or another. Yes, I've got a big problem. It's going to cost me X amount of money. It's real huge. Sure, I'll pray, but I'm going to stay worried. That's you saying, God, you can't really help me. I'll pray because I feel like it's the Christian thing to do, but God, you really can't help me. The enemy convinced you your God can't even save you. Did you know that God has all the money there is? Did you know that in heaven the streets are made of gold? That means when we get to heaven, when we march to praise the Lord God, we are going to trample underfoot the very stuff people are trying to get their hands on down here. It's amazing. Let him deal with it. If he wants to, he can take a piece of brick out of the street and throw it in your lap and he'll take care of it. Let him deal with it. Second <laughs> Kings nineteen fourteen, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Spread it before the Lord. I almost could have called the message this. Spread it before the Lord. <laughs> I think he took the letter and he actually rolled the letter out the scroll and just rolled it out and said, "God, here you go. Here's the threat." I don't know what to do. You take it. Seems to me that's like what what he did. He took his trouble to the Lord. He didn't take it to his accountants. He didn't take it to his big problem solvers. He didn't take it to his military guys. He didn't take it to anybody but the Lord God first and foremost. He took it to the Lord God. Now I know because I have experience in this myself that whenever I have a big problem, sometimes the first thing I do is I check my bank account. Or I go to my friends and ask for advice. Or I try this and I try that. I get on and I Google stuff. And then I go, Ray, you dork, get down and pray. I'm guilty of it. My hand's up first. But look what he did. Again, this is how you live before the Lord God. He laid it down before the Lord. And we need to realize that it took a great fear to get Hezekiah into this place of lowliness. It took fear. But it took him now to fear the Lord. And so when you're going through a trial and you're like, why does this happen? And the atheists always say, well, why does God let such bad things happen? Um, because if things like that didn't happen, we'd never call out to the Lord God. That's your answer when they ask you that. If everything was rosy all the time, we wouldn't care about God. I've got everything I want. Who needs God? So this got him to a low place. This time he didn't have the money to buy his way out. Remember, he stripped the gold off the doors around the temple. He put it there. He restored the temple. Here comes Assyria. All right, strip all the gold off the doors. Take all the gold out of the, uh, the, the temple of God and let's pay these guys off. He's out. He's out of money. You ever been out of money? 
How am I going to get to my next rent check? How am I going to make my next car payment? How am I going to pay for my health care? All these. He's out. He has nothing left. He put it before the Lord God. So I think he took the scroll that contained that message, that threat, and he spread it out. He says, I'm thinking of a scroll, spread it. He spread it out and says, Lord, this is yours. I'm not even going to, I'm, I'm not even going to bother. You deal with this. Guys, can we ever get to that level? Can we ever get to where we can actually do that? No, we like to hang on to it. I've I, I got one more trick up my sleeve. Hang on, God, I don't need you yet. I'm going to try one or two more things that I, I still got in my mind. I say, let it go, man. Let it go today, now, like this second, let it go. Let him deal with it. Well, Ray, that's hard. I know. I know it's hard, but let's follow the story. So he, he spread it out. And this is how we fight our battles. You always take it to the Lord. Always consult with the Lord first. Always ask him, what do I do? It's okay to not have every answer. You know, people come to me and they're, Ray, what about this? What about that? And I try, and you know, you get it in your life too. You're the Christian in the workplace, and they always come and ask you all these questions. You don't always have the answer. And they go, huh, see, you don't know. You're not a good Christian. You don't have the answer. You don't have to always know. You can't always know. And when they make fun of you, I'll say, you don't know. Well, no, I don't. I, that's why I go before the Lord God and say, God, you deal with it. He put it before the Lord, and this is how we fight. Now, it looks to me like Hezekiah has done a complete turnaround, a complete 180 from what he was doing in chapter 18. In chapter 18, he goes, hey, how much money you want, I'll pay you. He's completely the other way around now. Thank God. <laughs> If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. This is us in this story. Don't look at Hezekiah. Oh, Hezekiah, how dare you? This is you and me in here. Always take it to the Lord God. But he's done a turnaround, and what's another word for turnaround? What's another word for this? I'll tell you, it's rated R. People hate this word. It starts with er, and it ends with epent. Repent. He repented. That's turned around. God loves repentance. Oh, he loves it. It's okay when you mess up. Just repent real quick. I'm sorry. God goes, all right, we're still good, man. Repent. 2 Kings 19.15, then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, underline, highlight that right there, O Lord God of Israel, when you talk to people about God, don't just say G-O-D, you call him by his name, distinctive, it's set apart, it's holy, everybody has a G-O-D, their own version of a G-O-D, when you call him Lord God of Israel, you get specific. I could point at Sandy and say, hi, Sandy, or I could say, hi, that person right there. And it sounds very impersonal, and it sounds rude. Call him by his name. And he's addressing by his name. So he said, oh, Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone. See how he's countering. What about all the other gods that got taken down? What about them? He says, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which was the king of Assyria, which he has sent to reproach, insult the living God. Lord God, hear this. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.